Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy, and God bless. Will you please welcome with me Pastor Angela Waits. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Oh, are you ready for the word this morning? I'm ready to give it to you. I'm ready to give it to you. It's great to be here with you this morning. Welcome our online viewers. We're so glad that you chose to join us. And first time guests, welcome. So let's just go before the Lord and get busy, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for this time. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and breathe on this sanctuary. Right now, I ask you to come. Sir, I pray that you would cause this sanctuary to be conducive, the atmosphere conducive to learning. Sharpen our spirits. Speak to our inner man, I pray. Sir, take your place center stage, and we're going to follow you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, this morning, thank you so much, Brother Mario. This morning, I'm going to be teaching from the book of Nehemiah. And if you remember the story, the children of Israel are in captivity. And Nehemiah is a prisoner of war and is serving Artaxerxes, the king, as the cupbearer. And Nehemiah hears that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and its gates are burned with fire. And we're told in chapter 1, verse 4, that when he heard this news, that he sat down and he wept. And he fasted and he prayed. Now, what I want to tell you is... In the Old Testament, you will find that fasting is required one time. Well, when you do the study, what I find here is that not only did he fast, he fasted and prayed and wept and mourned for four months. Significant. You see, these are all signs of humility and the state of his brokenness for what he was seeing. You see, he is a rebuilder of the broken. This morning, we're going to talk about walls, workers, and warriors. Let's take a look at chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 1, and it says this. In the month of Nicene, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then it says, I was very much afraid. Now, why would he be afraid? He was afraid because King Artaxerxes had decreed that the work on rebuilding Jerusalem should stop. But he also knows the God that shifts atmospheres. Amen? And then it says, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lie in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. 
Then the king said to me, well, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I don't know about you, but in that moment, what do you want? You better have an answer. Well, he did. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, now watch this. We are told that the queen is sitting beside him. Why are we told that the queen is sitting beside him? It must be significant to mention that. The fact that she was sitting beside him tells us this. It was a private gathering. In other words, they might have been sitting around a table having coffee and Nehemiah had access to that private seating. You know, sometimes he'll sit you. How long will you be gone, he asked. When will you return? So if it please the king, again, when you're asked a question, you better be ready with the answer. If it please the king to send me when I had given him a time, it did. So it pleased him. When God plants something in your heart, he will give you strategy. So he had a time frame to give. And I said to the king, we're going to look at verse 7. I said to the king, if it pleases you, let letters be given to me to, the gov- to give to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. How did he know his name? Hmm. You see, the period of time that it would take him, this four-month period, that it would take him to get up the courage to discuss this with the king, I believe he had done some homework. You see, he knew exactly what he needed. He knew that he would need letters. Sometimes you got to ask in order to get the door open. So when he said, what do you need? Well, let me give you the list. I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need favor, and I need... So the task of rebuilding the wall was enormous, and it was going to require unusual organizational skills. Now, the shortest route to Jerusalem, watch this, for Nehemiah would have taken him two months by foot. The day that he left, it would have taken him two months. Well, let me show you what I think he was thinking about during this two-month trek. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 3. You ready? Now, we're going to read about 11 gates and four towers mentioned in this chapter. And of the 11 gates, six of them had to be repaired. This is what we read in verse 1. Then... Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. Pay attention to the details. They decided, watch this, they dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated, and the tower of Haninal. People from the town of Jericho, what? These people were commuters. Keep that thought just a moment. They were commuters. They worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachar, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hasna. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Mirmoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hatzik, repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Barakiah, and grandson of Meshizabal. 
And then Zadok, son of Baana. Baana. I only read to you four verses. There's a lot going on in four verses. Next, verse 5, we're told that the people from Tekoa, again, commuters. It's important to understand that the folks of, of Jericho, Tekoa, uh, Gibeon, Mizpah, and other areas had nothing to gain from working on this wall. Yet they, should, they stood shoulder to shoulder. Why would they do that? Verse 5 says... The people from Tekoa repaired the city gate. They laid the beams. They set up the doors. They installed, installed the bolts and the bars. Next to them were the people from Gibeon and Mizpah. Next, there were goldsmiths by trade. Behind them were manufacturers of perfumes. There's something very significant taking place here. In verse 1, Eliashib and his fellow priests set the example. The priests rolled up their sleeves and got dirty in the work. The priests did that. Nehemiah assigned everyone, don't miss this, a specific section of the wall. He used phrases in this chapter like this, next to him, next to them. The next section, beside him, beyond them. 28 times in chapter 3 alone. 38 different individuals are named. 42 places are mentioned in this chapter. Everyone had an assignment and a responsibility for what God was doing. He didn't call somebody from Gibeon, but they showed up. So assignments were made based on vocation. The goldsmiths, the perfume makers, the district and half district leaders, rulers, the Levites and the merchants. Well, this chapter might give you the impression that he had done all this homework. And so since he had everything assigned, it should roll smoothly. How many of you know that when you are taking care of God's business, that's very rarely the case? If there's no opposition, I'm typically looking and going, what, where did I miss you? Why, why is this so easy? Do you walk in favor? Guys, can you help the ringing? When you walk in favor, I get that. But let me tell you, when you walk into the enemy's camp and you throw open that door, you're on his radar. Okay? Watch this. You have to know what the truth is when you walk into the enemy's camp. What is the truth? The powers of darkness who would derail or oppose what God's doing, they have no legal right, present or future in God's kingdom. They only have what you give. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. When you are stuck in your old sin, dead life, you are incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean, it says. That old arrest warrant has been canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their, watch this, sham authority. Whatever you give. 
It says he stripped them of that authority. Sham authority. Mm. That makes me want to run. And he marched them naked through the streets. Some of us need to come better acquainted with what that means. As one of my friends says, it ain't going down like that. It ain't going down like that. It says, and he marched them naked in the streets. What does that mean? Uncovered, I see you. I reveal. It has been revealed to me what you're up to. Okay? In chapter 4, the workers are halfway there. Have you ever been halfway through something and you think, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I'm weary. I can't fight it anymore. Chapter 4, let's look at that very quickly. They're halfway through. We're told that the builders face some new problems. They're physically and, watch this, psychologically exhausted. And the work appeared endless. This is back-breaking. Did I mention the priests were all up in this too? Back-breaking, sweaty, filthy job that they were involved in. Hard labor. In verse 10, it says, The strength of those who bear burdens is failing. There's too much rubble by ourselves. We will not be able to do it. And our enemy said this. Watch. You're hanging on by a thread. And this is what the enemy says. By our, watch this. They will not know or see until we come among them and kill them and stop this work. You're already fighting with everything that you have. He's like, mm, I'm coming in. When does he come in? Typically at night. Comes in at night. So they're exhausted. I don't know about you, but if somebody's threatening my life, I'm pretty sure fear's going to rise up. So they're psychologically, physically exhausted, and now they're surrounded by fear. So what does Nehemiah do? Oh, I love Nehemiah. He gathers this team up. He said, let me remind you of who's on your side. We will not be fearful. We will do what we're called to do. Take a deep breath. So, you know, sometimes when you're in war, you might think, you might start out with a dagger. Well, when everything shifts, your dagger might need to become a sword. And whenever... You better rise up to the occasion or he's going to take you down. Okay? Watch this. Nehemiah brings them all together. This is what he said. Oh, we are not walking in fear. We're about to do this. But, but, let me show you something. Half the workers worked while the others stood guard. Every single person had an assignment. It's so important to see that. Every single person had an assignment. When the enemy heard that the plot was uncovered, you know what happened? Let me tell you what a bully is. I learned this last night. You know what a bully is? They don't want to fight. They just want to scare you. When they heard that it wasn't going to work, Dr. Kresslin, they pulled back and shut it down. Because they knew they weren't going to win. 
So some of the workers, let me tell you what was happening. So some of the workers were carrying stones. You see, we're talking about a wall. So they're carrying stones with one hand. This is what's taking place. They're picking up the stones. I don't know how heavy those are. I can only imagine. I don't know if they're stones like this or stones like this. I just know that they're picking them up. And they're not one. They're picking them up. They're picking them up. And the whole time that's taking place, they're picking them up. And with this hand, they got their weapon of war. You see, some of them had to do both. Sometimes you got to do both. As the opposition intensified, and it did, their eyes became, became open. When it heats up, you better open your eyes. Because I'm telling you, he'll come around from the corner and hit you, and you never saw him coming. All eyes open. Open your eyes. When the enemy's coming in like a flood, you better open your eyes so that you're ready. There was also a trumpeteer. Why would there be a trumpeteer? Because you see, the people were vulnerable. They were scattered all the way around the wall, and they could not see the attacks coming. So Nehemiah said, oh, I'm going to keep this trumpeteer right here, and he's going to blow that thing so that they're ready for war. See, he was, God was giving him a strategy he always does to protect the people. So some of the workers, they picked up the stones, picked up the stones and warred simultaneously. Some of the workers did nothing but war. Watch this. Some of the workers worked the wall. They were like masons. And they're laying the stone and they're putting the mortar and they're laying the stone and they're putting in the mortar. And while they're doing that, let me show you something very important. The scripture tells us that the swords were attached to their hips. Don't ever be without your weapons. I don't care how busy you get. Do you hear what's happening? Sometimes you got to work and war at the same time. And sometimes you just keep it close so you can pull it out when you need it. That's what was taking place. I want us to go forward to chapter 6. I know this is a lot, so go back and read it later, but there's a lot that has to get out this morning, okay? I want us to just glance through chapter 6. It says, The wall was complete, though the doors had not been hung yet on the gate, and the opposition comes once again. Let me tell you, when the enemy comes in and he starts attacking your family, I don't know about you, but let me just tell you something. No, you didn't. When it comes to my family, I'm not playing with you. I love you, but I'm not playing with you. Anybody else like that? So here's what happened. You know. So he had done everything that he could to attack the workers. When I think of workers, that's my family. 
That's the people that have caught hold of the vision that God has given. That's my family. Don't you? Well, it it didn't work. It didn't work, Edward. It didn't work. So what do you think the enemy does now? He comes in and he attacks, he attacks Nehemiah. He's like, oh, I'm, then I'm going to take the head out. Because I am going to derail what's taking place right here. I love this. Isn't it just like the enemy to distract us from what God's doing and what he has in our hand? He'll attack your health, your finances, your relationships, if he can get your eyes of what the assignment is. You see, Nehemiah received a letter. And it sounded something like this. Hey, we would like to meet with you at Ono. Well, let me tell you about Ono. It was nowhere near where he was. Now, we're talking about the enemy trying to get you to come down off your post, take your eyes off the assignment, and get busy with something else. I don't know about you. I ain't got time to have conversation with the enemy. That's what's taking place. Four times the enemy comes and delivers a letter that is sealed. Why was it sealed? Nobody knew except Nehemiah and the deliverer what it said. Nobody knew. Four times he said, we want to meet with you. And four times Nehemiah said, I'm not coming off this wall and leaving my assignment to go speak with the enemy. I'm not doing it. Five times. Let me tell you what happened on the fifth time. The scripture tells us that this time when when the mail came, it was unsealed. Now, why would the word tell us that it was unsealed? Glad you ask. They thought that if they made it public, okay, I'm going to stay here just. (laughs) They thought that if they made it public, it would pressure him to respond in his flesh. Has the enemy ever done that to you? Let's see, if he can't get you any other way, he'll start people talking talking, and then you'll respond to it. I'm going to make this public. If I can't get you right now when nobody knows except the enemy and you, then I'm going to uncover something. And this is how he responded. You're making all that up. There's no truth in it. He did not weep. He did not wail. He did not fight. He did not defend himself. He said, there is no truth in it. Sit down. That's what he said. Ain't nobody got time for this. He responded to slander like this. Oh, he was a man of prayer, Nehemiah was. He said, strengthen my hands, oh God. Strengthen my hands. Oh, God, so that I might finish your assignment without distraction. June 26th, 2016, 
I released a prophetic word over this house. I didn't understand the word. Pastor Huey didn't understand the word, but it was a word from the Holy Spirit that had to be released over this house. And the title of the message was Revival. Recap, watch this, Revival, the Father recapturing our heart. It began in Deuteronomy chapter 11, and if you remember that area of Scripture, it's talking about the rain. It's talking about the former rain, which, re- which prepares the ground for seed, and the latter rain, which ri- or ripens the crop. So the two rains happen, and then there's a harvest. Okay? So it's critical that we not push beyond the proper season of preparation. So this is what the, this is what the message was about. Staying in your lane, really, and waiting and accepting the plow. Remember the story? The plow that turns up, uncovers things that need attention so that seed can grow and we can produce a harvest. Okay? Well, we didn't really understand exactly what God was saying. But I felt like I was supposed to repeat this statement three times. And it was... We're in the midst of preparation for a harvest. We're in the midst of preparation for a harvest. We're in the midst of preparation for a harvest. And let me tell you, in the scripture, when there's something written three times, you better open your eyes because something's coming. Well, we discussed this cultivated field that the plow had been in. And it had experienced change and pain and weeds had been plucked up. You know, things that maybe don't quite align up with the Word of God, and God has to pull those things out of our life. We talked about all of that in that particular message. The cultivated feel that I described to you on June 26th, 2016, had one purpose, to increase in fertility. That was a word from the Lord. That field from that message, June 26, 2016, had one purpose, to increase in fertility. That's a lot to take in and not really understand what that means, isn't it? Six years ago, I was in a different church. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. A lot of what I'm about to share with you has not been released even to our staff. So here we go. Is that okay? So the Lord spoke very clearly to me when I'm in another church. And he said, you're going to pastor a church in South Huntsville. It dropped me to my knees because number one, that's not on my wish list. (laughs) No, thank you. But I am in a church at this point that's very large. And they plant churches all over the city. So I heard it, and I knew it was God. And I'm like, I'm not telling a soul. Well, except Jay. So Jay is in Colorado two weeks later, and he's waiting, he's, he, he's waiting to watch our son play baseball. And he's driving, he got there a little bit earlier, and he's driving, and he finds a river. 
And he pulls his truck up to the river, and he gets out, and he's just sitting there waiting, wasting. Did I say wasting time? He was waiting for the game. And this is his statement, as clearly as he has ever heard God. This was the word that God said. This, is the la- this was a Sunday morning. This is the last Sunday Angela will be in that church. I've not shared this. This is the last Sunday she will be in that church. I'm sitting on the front row and my husband texted me that. And I rebuked him. I'm like, no, you know what God said to me. You didn't hear that right. It's the pizza. He said, you know, there's just something about when you know that you know that you know. You don't toy with that. And I could hear it in his voice. Yeah, I rebuked him. But then I had to call back. Because, see, I knew what God said, even though I didn't want to do it. I knew what he said. Well, what do you think happened? It was my last Sunday in that church. It really happened. Just like God said. Imagine that. Just like he said. Didn't make any sense. God picks us up for six weeks. Can you imagine having a pastor without a church? Well, that's where we were. So for six weeks, we watched online. We didn't know what to do. Twelve months after releasing that prophetic word on June 26, 2016, that had one purpose, and it was to increase in fertility. Twelve months later, we closed on this. Twelve months later. remember that morning I come into the church and Pastor Huey said he has this look (laughs) it was between services and he said hey I need to talk to you (laughs) I'm like what have I done he said I need to talk to you okay I sat down in his office, and he said, "Um, you know, I've been in Los Angeles all week. Yes, sir. He knows nothing, okay? He knows nothing. He said, I've been in Los Angeles all week, and while I was in Los Angeles, the Lord spoke to me, and he said that we're going to birth twins, and he said, one of those campuses is in South Huntsville, and you're the pastor. I laughed first and then I cried. I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. That is me and that is exactly what God told me five years ago. And I never told a soul. Some things are just for you. Because I believe if we speak those things prematurely, we'll force those things into happening. And I might have been in the wrong church doing it. Do you hear me? You can force a thing. 
And it made perfect sense. Y'all, it made perfect sense. And it was all wrong. It was all wrong. He looked at me and he said, you've got to find us a building. And we laughed. And one week later, honestly, five days later, we're standing in this building. Which made no sense. We went from 30 minutes. We were just going to discuss leasing it. And within a 30-minute period, we had had the lease discussion with the owner. And with one, within one hour, we went from leasing it to purchasing it at almost half price. I'm telling you, when God's doing it, when God's in it, just walk. Just walk. So people say to me now, did that owner die? No. Why would you say that? Well, we'll talk about that later. But no, God opened the door and he threw open wide the gate. And we were just falling in it. That is what happened. We fell in it. You know, the scripture, yes, ma'am. You know, the scripture says that you have not because you have not. So I, there's 256 parking spaces around this building. There's a reason I'm giving you all these details this morning. Well, according to the city, that is, they allow four people per parking space through the mass. 256 times four. Okay, so the Lord said this to me. It's not about numbers. It's something else I want to show you. He told me to ask the city for a parking lot that's across the street from this building. They own it. They don't use it. You want me to ask the city for a building for free? Yes, I do. So I call the city. They show up, and I am standing in a parking lot with six men all dressed up in suits. And I said, I want this parking lot. I need this parking lot. Okay. (laughs) What? I'm like, God, you made that too easy. (laughs) Really? And I am standing there, and they're talking about the survey and what they needed to do, and they're taking notes. Do you remember this? And they're taking notes, and all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, you better be ready, because when he starts talking, just move. Just move. He said, well, what about that parking lot? What parking lot? The one across from it that is right beside the property. You want me to ask what happened? (laughs) I took a deep breath and I said, okay. The scripture says, I'm the pastor, right? They expect that from me. I said, you know the scripture says that you have not because you ask not. And one of the men said, amen. (laughs) I said, that parking lot right there. I need that parking lot right there. I'm expecting to get it. You know, typically when you plan a church, there's a lot of research. And I'm not going to tell you we didn't do some of this. It had nothing to do with where we're going. 
It has nothing to do with the building we're in. None of that. We're completely being led by the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, when you're being led by the Spirit of God, favor will fall on you. Favor will fall on you. I want to tell you a couple of prophetic things that happen because they're significant to you. They're significant to you because this is your project right here. That's yours. That's yours. Can you believe he's going to let us do this? He is. So every day we work on the building. There's a team that would come in, and we typically park around the back. You know where we park. We park around the back, and uh, this one particular day, I pulled into the parking lot, and the Lord said to me, pull in the front. I never pull in the front. I got to walk up all those stairs. Pull in the front. So I pulled in the front. Didn't know why. That's all he said. Pull in the front. Okay. So we worked really hard. I remember I, I was so exhausted. And I walked down those stairs, and it's about 530, and all of us, we're a, we are a hot mess because it was some dirty work, okay? And so I walked down the stairs. I'm like, who just if I could just fall into this car? And I opened the front door. And when I opened the front door, there was a car in the parking lot. And around the car, there were four women. And I waved. I didn't want to get close because I'm pretty sure I was, I was filthy, okay? I'm just, hey. And they started walking to me. I'd never seen these women in my life. They started walking to me, and they said, are you the pastor? I reluctantly said yes, because I was a mess. And then one of the women looked at me, and she started weeping. She said, we have been praying you in this building for 25 years. 25 years. They would meet in that parking lot all those years while it was a nightclub. And they would declare what that building would be. You see, we're standing where we didn't even pray. Because God said, now. Do it now. And I believe that day I was so tired. Couldn't put one foot in front of the other. I've never worked so hard physically in my life. Couldn't put one foot in front of the other. And he sent those four women to say, we have prayed you in for such a time as this. And a few days later, the same thing happened. Park in the front. We never park in the front. I don't know why, but we don't. Same thing. I am exhausted. You know that kind of exhaustion that you just want to weep? You know, we're there. I walk down those stairs. I'm like, God, if I, can, I don't even know if I can drive home. I open the door, walk out. And when I did, a car pulled in the parking lot. And I look. I'm like, oh, I can't really have a conversation right now. I'm telling you, I'm done. This vehicle pulls up, and he, there's a man driving, and he rolls the window down. He said, are you the pastor? Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid I am. He said, he looked to me square in the eyes. Whew. He said, I have opened three nightclubs in this building, and all three of them failed miserably. Do you know why they failed? 
No. He said, because it never was meant to be a nightclub. It was always meant to be a church. This one particular morning, I show up, happened three times. Three times are significant to the story. I pull up, full of energy, it's morning. (laughs) I'm not exhausted. Pull my keys out, and I'm just about to put it in the keyhole, and this, sticking in the door, It's way taller than me, so I almost didn't see it. I'm like, what is that? And I reach up and I pull these out. And I begin to look at them. And there's literally over a thousand people in these pictures. And I'm looking, I'm like, where is this? What are they doing? Oh my goodness, this is our sanctuary. You see, these pictures were delivered to me by a nightclub owner. He said this to me in a note. It still breaks me. He said, all those people in those pictures, I'm praying every single one of them in that they'll make that house their home just like me. And the stories and the emails just continue. And I'm going to tie a bow on this in just a second. But some things you need to know. You need to understand the enormous size of what God's releasing. I got an email and it said, Every evil and wicked thing in my life happened in that building. I took my first pregnancy test in that building. I was gang raped in that parking lot. I had my first drug and my first alcohol in that building. And on opening day, I'm going to be on the front row. And this time, I'm dancing for Jesus. Oh, I'm getting it back. The front doors are glass. I don't think you can see it from there, but the front doors are glass. And one of the doors in the bottom had a ton of cracks in it. We've replaced it now, but all these cracks in it. And I remember looking at that going, what on earth? Somebody must have thrown a rock. I just believe God wants us to know details for a specific reason. So basically, I find out that we're going to have two new members in that church. And the man was thrown through that glass door. Welcome home. (laughs) You see, he was a bouncer. And he was thrown through that glass door one night. And he said this to me, this is our home. This is where my family will worship. People need to get some things back, don't they? 
That is the same man, that bouncer that I just told you about, has two beautiful children. He is the man that suggested to the realtor that she show me this nightclub. It's the same man. Last story, you ready? Buckle up for this one. A month ago at Winning Women, a woman comes up to me and she's completely broken. And she said, I should have told you this years ago. No, I believe his timing is impeccable. She said, the reason I didn't tell you is that I was a bartender in that club. She's at Winning Women. I love this story. She said, in the summer of 2015, now I released that prophetic word in the summer of 2016. We purchased the building and closed in the summer of 2017. Now this is 2015. We know nothing. She has a prophetic dream. She doesn't attend this church. She said, I didn't want to tell you because I was a bartender at the time and I, my credibility, but I was trying to get my life right. This woman has a dream, knows nothing. She said, in the dream, you were at the nightclub and it didn't make any sense. Well, you never know. I mean, here we are this many years later. But uh, she said, you were at that nightclub. And the Lord told me to tell you this. So she's having a dream. And the Lord's telling her what to say in the dream. Have you ever had a dream like that? Okay, so she's in the dream and the Lord says this. Tell her. Well, she didn't tell me. Because she was too embarrassed to tell me. So she didn't tell me, but I'm glad she didn't. Because if she'd have told me, it would have messed all this up. You understand? I'd have been trying to fit all the pieces in the puzzle. There's a reason God withheld that from me. She said, this is what he told me to tell you. This is a month ago, Marsha. This is what he told me to tell you. All those people, they're waiting patiently. 2015. You see, God had to align some things. 2015. That wrecks me. You know, if you look back at the book of Jeremiah, uh, book of Nehemiah, after the work was completed, do you remember what happened? The doors were thrown open. He said, Come home, family. You know, we don't determine who our family is. We just throw open the doors and say, welcome home. We're about to do that, amen? So we know what our assignment is as a house. What is our assignment? Right now, it's this. I believe I have laid the groundwork to prove to you and demonstrate to you that God has placed this in our hand. Would you agree with that, yes or no? Yes. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't Pastor Huey's. Do you see that it's God? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Better than that. Yes. I want to remind you of what happened. Some of the people warred. 
A warrior demonstrates vigor, courage, and aggressiveness. Some of us need to take a courageous stand concerning the finances of this project. I'm about to make it plain. You ready? Here's what didn't happen in the book of Nehemiah. They never looked at the project and went, oh, I'm out. They looked at the project and they said, this is God. Show me what to do. Show me what to do. Just show me where to go. Show me which part of the wall is mine so that I can take ownership of it. Remember I told you the building we purchased at half price? From where we are right now? Did everybody see this? Did you get this? If you didn't get this, you can get them here. And I'm just going to tarry here for just a second. Because you know what? This is between you and God. I'm just the messenger this morning. So if you look at the offering envelope on this side where I've colored it in so perfectly. <laughs> not really. This is where the building fund section is. This is where you write South Huntsville and you put in there whatever God tells you to and that's all I'm going to say about that. But I will tell you this, we need $275,000 right now between now and getting this building open. That's to get everything done, the whole facility completed, ready for the city of Huntsville, passing all the codes, children, every, the build out, everything from where we are right now. And we need it 90 days. Next. Some of the people worked. Some of the people laid flagstones, stones. Well, some of you, that's your work. Some of you have something to do. We, we have flagstone walls that need to be laid around the, around the youth area. We need basketball goals. I could go on. Some of you may adopt a room. Oh, toddler room? Yes, I'm going to adopt that room, and I'm going to design that thing, and I'm going Okay. I just need to know what it is you're supposed to do. Some of them warred and worked. Some of you, your war is your money. Some of you are going to give money and you're going to work because that's what happened here. It's God's assignment, right? His work, not our work. He's just trusting us with it. But now that all the information is released, we're held responsible for what he said and what he gave us. I believe everything's in the house. So in your bulletin, you got this today. And I'm going to tell you what this is. If you didn't get it, raise your hand, and we've got some ushers that can help you. So this is what, this, this is what we're going to do with this. I never want to see this. This is between you and God. This challenge today is between you and God. It has nothing to do with us, me. Are you to war? And if you are, what is it? What are you supposed to do? If you're to work, what is your contribution? And if he's already told you this, write it on this as your reminder because it's a challenge that you've accepted. So if you'll stand to your feet this morning, we're going to look at the three points. This is a lot today, isn't it? But isn't it exciting? 
I feel like I just drank from a fire hydrant. But it's a lot. But you know, when God does something of this size, he's entrusted us with something of this size. He's about to do a thing. And I don't know about you, but I'm not missing it. I'm not going to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it either. Because he's going to bless it coming and going. And we all have a responsibility. It's not my job. It's not Pastor Barron's job. It's not Pastor Huey's job. It's our assignment that's on this house, isn't it? Wow. So we're going to close this way today. I'll be down front if you need prayer for anything specifically. But I would love for you to get in prayer groups, three to five people. And I want you to pray about this and this. And I want you to remember these. I want you to remember what we can't see yet. What God's already doing behind the scenes. Because they're waiting and they're waiting patiently for us to move. I'm believing we're going to get the permit by Friday. They're telling us before Friday. Once that happens, it's on. We better be ready. We've been waiting for this. And then it's on. So if we could get in our prayer groups this morning, three to five, and I want you to pray, God, tell me, what is my part in this? Thank you for trusting us with this. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast that concludes today's sermon. If you have been impacted by this ministry, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week, and we hope that today's message encourages your journey in following Jesus. God bless.